Welcome to Agent of Wealth Podcast with Mark Boudis from Boudis Financial. In this podcast, Mark helps small business owners and retirees overcome the multiple wealth planning challenges involved in your financial life. We do this by creating comprehensive wealth management plans to guide you towards financial freedom, ensure you never run out of money, and help create a balance in life that prioritizes what is most important to you. Join us for this journey as Mark draws from years of expertise and guest experts to solve the multiple wealth planning issues involved in your financial life. Hello and welcome to the Agent of Wealth with Mark Boudis of Boudis Financial. Today we have a guest again, and I'm going to just turn it right over to Mark so he can get busy with this. But we're going to be talking about uh, planning for college and cutting college costs, which that's a tongue twister, Mark. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Good morning, Eric. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing well. Cutting college costs. I know that this ties in with the last podcast that we have. So uh, what, where are we starting today? Yeah. So in, on our last show, which was episode 11, we covered, uh, I guess, the first part of this series, which was saving for college. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the scenario where you have a baby, you know that college is going to cost a lot of money, but you're not sure what to do next. So we covered that in the last podcast about when you should start saving, how much you should start saving. Uh, we looked at the pros and cons of 529s, and then also what other savings vehicles are out there in addition to 529s. So for today's episode, we're going to actually talk about the late stage college planning. So that's when parents are nearing ending that phase where they're saving for college and how do they stretch whatever they've managed to save as far as possible when contemplating their college costs or trying to figure out how to basically minimize the college cost as much as, as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So uh, for, for this, this uh, show, we brought back John Williams, who John works at, at Bowdoin Financial as well, and he's the resident college planning expert in the company. So we're going to kind of cover this phase of college planning, which it's not really covered well in the industry. And it's a, it's a gigantic expense. Uh, you know, you, you'll hear that you have to save for college, save to college, but you're really left in the lurch when you have to figure out how best to pay for college. Mm-hmm. So the three questions we'll look at, and it's the three most popular questions that we come across when, when working with someone on cutting college costs or college planning is, uh, the first one is, how can you tell if you'll get financial aid? Most people assume that they just automatically won't qualify for it, which is is not necessarily true. We'll also look at what net price calculators are and why someone should use them. And then also we'll go over a discussion on how assets can impact aid. So with that, John, welcome back to the to the show. Thanks, Mark. Okay. So first question is, uh, so a parent has a child, they're approaching uh, college where should they start and when should they start trying to, to look into this? Well, many times the, the first thought is this financial aid eligibility question uh, that'll come up. And unfortunately, it's, it's not really a simple calculation. There's a lot of variables that go into it. Um, the parent's age, income, marital status, uh, how many siblings are in college. Well, where we'll usually start and what we can help clients with is, is helping them figure out their, their EFC. Uh, this EFC is is uh, it stands for the expected family contribution, and um, it's ultimately the amount that a family can be expected to pay for one year of college. And when I say expected, I mean expected by the government or the school you're applying to. It's usually the first place that we'll start. A good place to start. Okay, so just if we look at this EFC number, I guess the first one is why is it important, and then where does someone go to calculate it? Yeah, so. So the EFC is, is going to be generated in some shape or form in two main areas. One is going to be by uh, the information that's submitted through the FAFSA um, and another kind of uh, 
a tough word to say, but it basically uh, is like the free application for, for student aid. This is the application that's very popular uh, approaching uh, applying for college and, and you know, used by 20 million different, uh, filled out by 20 million different applicants across the country. And this is going to figure, uh, is going to be used by the government and uh, colleges and universities to basically come up with their, uh, the financial aid package they're going to offer the applicant. And then the second place is very similar to the, the free application for student aid which is an institutional profile, sometimes called the CSS profile. And this is, um, like I said, a similar type of a calculation to come up with this EFC, but there, there are going to be some proprietary and different pieces of the calculation that are used by 200 schools across the country. And they're typically going to be some of these higher profile schools that want to have a little more control of these packages and just kind of add their little bit of a flavor to how they're going to fill out these EFC. A little more complicated because... There's not as much information as to what's inside those. Um, there is a listing that you can find on, on the College Board's website to see which one of these two will be applicable. But ultimately, you're going to want to fill out at least the FAFSA. So I guess someone either fills out the FAFSA or the CSS, and the end result is would they get their EFC calculation off of that, that form? So there's going to be some online calculators. And the point here is, is many times people will just wait, fill out the FAFSA, and see what comes back. And they don't realize they can actually use certain calculators or sit down with us to understand what the FESA is actually going to spit out before they actually apply. So they have a little bit um, of a better foresight and understand, you know, the direction they need to go. One of the best ones is going to be on the College Board website that you can do a quick Google search and find, and it, it's, it's going to be pretty accurate. Okay. Do you, do you have any kind of maybe an example that you can go through on how an EFC would translate into what someone would be expected to pay? Yeah, sure. So when you uh, when you use the EFC calculator and, and you, you put plug some of this information into it, um, you know you're going to get back that EFC. And just a, just a couple uh, quick little examples here. One, let's say that the EFC pumps out a thirty thousand dollar EFC, which is what that family is going to be expected. Now, I just want to preface real quick, that's what both these colleges and, and, and the government expects you. Sometimes people are surprised by this number. It's not necessarily what you think you can afford. Um, and sometimes, unfortunately, it's a little higher than what people are expecting. But it is what they're going to weigh against the tuition of the school you're looking at. So, for instance, if, you're, if, you, if the EFC does come back at 30K and the tuition at that school is 60K, then the difference is ultimately what they're going to consider for, for aid. On the other hand, if you have an if it EFC that comes back of $70,000 per year and the tuition sixty k, you're probably not going to get considered for financial aid. And in that case, you're going to want to consider merit-based aid, um, which we can get into in, in a and, few minutes. And John, when we're talking financial aid, are we just saying uh, the ability for loans or is it actual uh, money that wouldn't have to be repaid? So true financial aid, need-based aid is going to be government grants. And really, it's really going to be separate from the uh, loan package that you're going to be offered. So when we when we talk about the need-based aid, it's really going to be directly related to what really for the school itself, almost like a discount, if you may, um, to that student because of their need. Okay, make makes sense. And then how does that uh, translate to, let's say, a specific school and how we can figure out how that EFC number would correlate to what is the cost of a particular school? Yeah. So, so each school is going to have different, diff, their own different variables now that they have this EFC number. 
So um, in that first example, 30K of an EFC and tuition 60K, it doesn't automatically mean that that school is going to give you that 30K, that they're going to consider that number. So, and, and in most cases, unfortunately, you don't get all of that money. Uh, so to have a better idea, uh, if there's a few schools on your list, and a lot of times with clients there is, you can, and by law, each school has to offer what they call a net price calculator. And that calculator is going to have all these specific uh, considerations of that school built into it. So if you do a quick little search, like Mark or Seton Hall grad, you can do a, a Seton Hall night price calculator into, your, into Google. And it, it, sometimes they're hidden, so it's a little easier just to do a direct search. And then it'll, it'll come back with a search and, and you can usually find it pretty easily. But once you go to that calculator, it's going to be designed by Seton Hall. And it's going to then basically tell you based off of GPA, some of these other factors that the FAFSA is not looking at, um, what you could expect to pay for one year of school to that specific school. And is there anything different between a private and public school in terms of how they control their net price calculator? So one thing to consider with the net price calculator is there are some really bad ones out there. So it does behoove the school to make it as accurate as possible because here they're offering this information to these, these students that are coming in. So for them to fudge it or make it any less accurate is not going to be, um, is really not going to benefit anyone in that equation because for the applicant to get the wrong idea as to how much it might cost them in the long run is, is really not, um, is really, and you can actually, when you get to the actual web, um, one of the things I will say is the net price calculator, if it, if it, t- it takes you like less than a minute to fill out, it's probably not very accurate. And so the end result of the net price calculator is, will that show all the aid that the college is planning to offer as well? Yeah. So there's merit-based aid and financial aid. Merit-based aid is going to be, is going to come from the, the the school's consideration of the applicant's activities, their GPA, their SAT scores, um, everything outside of the financial picture. And, uh, and of course, financial aid, is all, the, the, the need-based aid is going to come from the need side. And every school is going to look at uh, need differently, and, and they're going to have better, really, a track record of how much they offer. And you know, just a quick example would be if, if I'm applying to a school, students typically want to, they want to be at, in cities by the water. And those schools will actually be, um, are going to offer less aid because quite frankly, they don't have to offer as much aid. So you compare that to a school that might be in the middle or the Midwest, um, it might be a very good school. Um, They may have to work a little harder and they may actually have uh, more attractive and more money to offer and, and, and better financial aid packages, all things being equal. Okay. Makes sense. Maybe that's why some schools like to uh, build up their football and basketball programs. As a, <laughs> there's any, yeah, there, there's to a, attract students. <laughs> but, um, so is there any, is there any cost to running a college's net price calculator? Or can you, I guess, before you're even narrowing down the search, can, can this be used as a tool to narrow down what colleges you might want to apply to? Yeah. So I think what you want to do is you want to start with your AFC and really start there and really consider the schools you're looking at. And then maybe consider widening, like throwing a wider net uh, because, you know, you want to avoid the trophy school trap. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't apply to some of those schools, but there may be based off of your situation. So the example would be if you have a low EFC, you're going to want to look at schools that have a track record of a very, very good financial aid package based off of need. If you have a real high EFC and you don't qualify for that need based part of the equation, then you're really going to want to look at those schools that have really high merit 
offerings and a history of, of the merit aid that's out there. And every school is going to be different. You can go to the college board website and you can plug in any schools you're considering. And as you're doing your research and there's a paying tab that you can go to, and it'll actually show each school's history as to how much merit-based aid based off of applicants um, and percentage of their overall tuition. And some schools will have really great merit-based aid and some schools will have really great um, some will have both, um, but I think that those one, those are some things you have to consider, and one of the reasons why it's important to know your position and where that EFC, where where you stand as far as that EFC, is concerned. Okay, and I know with with regards to the EFC, we get this question all the time about how will someone's investments or their assets impact their EFC? Is it a big impact to it? Yeah. It certainly does come into play, but I, I have to say that this is probably one of the biggest um, hangups that people have, and there is a lot of misinformation out there. Even though it does come into play, I have to say it's not, it doesn't come into play as big as some people might think. And with that said, the income of the family is going to be a much, much bigger factor in the, these calculations as far as the need-based aid is concerned. Okay, so... Yeah, definitely income is a big factor on the assets or the investment side. Is everything counted against a parent or are there any things, a type of assets that can be excluded from the calculation? Yeah, you know, per- perfect question. So like there's a, you know, included. So just to give you a quick little example, you know, the income itself, the after tax income that a family has is going to be roughly, and it's a rough number, so don't take my word for it, but it's going to be about it's going to be counted for about 20%. So if a family's after tax income is, let's say it's $150,000, that EFC, and it, let's say you have, if, even if they have no assets, they were just considering the, the uh, income, after tax income, you're going to be looking at an EFC of about $30,000. Okay. And now if we look at that compared with the assets, the assets are going to be included at about 5%. And that's after there's there's actually an exclusion of roughly fifteen to twenty five thousand dollars. So, the example there is let's say somebody has a hundred thousand dollars of countable assets. This means really for the most part, and there's other, it's not quite this simple, but everything outside of retirement accounts and anything that they're going to consider, which um, you know is going to be cash, liquid assets, and they're going to take that number and they're going to allow you to exclude a certain percentage of that. So let's say it's roughly $15,000 or $20,000 um, that they're going to allow you to exclude from that $100,000. Now you have $80,000 and they're going to multiply that by 5.64%. I really have no idea why it's 5.64%, which is so specific. But, you know, so then from there, you're going to be looking at roughly $4,000 that it's going to come into play Versus, let's say, for instance, if that same family has, was making an after-tax uh, income as a family of $150,000, you're looking at $30,000. So you can kind of get an idea as to how these, um, these two different factors are going to come into play and why we say like, you know, the, the, the income is going to be a much bigger part of what to consider. Okay, so I guess the conclusion about this is there's, there's no reason to be afraid to save and, and saving is definitely a good thing for yeah. when it comes to college. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we come across this all the time, you know, like we've, we, I mean, you know, we, we had clients who come to us and, and they're doing really well, right. They have a, a bunch of income coming in and, and quite frankly, it's probably only going to get better for them. 
but because of some of these mis- this misinformation in the market and some of these mixed signals they're getting, they come to us and be like, well, I got to hide these assets and I have to move it over here and move it over there. And, and at the end of the day, they're probably going to be paying full price if there's one child involved. And they're probably thinking about it. Uh, they're probably hung up on it a little bit too much because as their income increases, obviously the AFC is going to go up um, significantly. Um, so I, the best thing is just to save as much in that situation is to save as early and as often as possible because would you rather have 100K in the bank or be able to save $4,000 a year on, on college based off of my example? And that's, that's why I, you know, I try to give that little insight there. Yeah, no, it, it, it definitely makes sense. And uh, as we start to wrap up, is there anything, I guess, either next steps or things that, that someone should consider when they're you know, starting this process? Yeah, I like to leave people with the idea that much of the news is dominated by some of these high profile colleges that are out there that, you know, that almost sometimes boast how many students they turn away. And, you know, this is really not the reality of the thousands of colleges and universities that are out there. You know, it's really more of a buyer's market than people think. You know, one of the statistics that we consider is 58% of students get some kind of aid from colleges, public colleges and universities. And the private universities that actually have to hustle a little more have granted upwards of 88% of their students with aid. Um, so, you know, this tells us that do a little research, understand your position. And, and that's why, why we started working more on this cost side is, is to, to educate, help people understand some of the things they can do, do, do some of these researches and find some of these schools and throw that wider net. So when they do approach in this late phase, or when they're in this late phase, they have a better chance of getting aid and having some options that are, you know, going to be more realistic uh, as far as, you know, how expensive um, college is getting uh, these days for sure. Yeah. And I think we've also seen the the negative sides of, of not doing anything in terms of trying to cut college costs or college planning. And, you know, those include things like students coming out of college saddled with monthly student loan payments that are larger than some mortgages. And this trickles down and impacts things like the student saving for retirement, buying their first house or, or starting a family. And then even on the retirement side, we've, we're now starting to see the impact on a parent's retirement, who they may have signed loans for their children or may want to help out pay for the student loans after college. And now their retirement is impacted by this. So I think the important thing is take that step, figure out what you can do to improve the cost of college that you have to pay. And, you know, there, there are different places that, that John mentioned where you can go online and go through calculators and fill out the FAFSA form. But also you can, you can call us. Uh, we'd be happy to help you walk through it. We do offer a free consultation. Uh, our number is 862-205-5800. Or you can go to our website, aboutisfinancial.com. And uh, we'd be happy to talk to you about it. Guys, that was fantastic. And and I know that today's podcast is really geared toward the parents, but just from my own experience, I've worked with young people for a very, very long time. I know there's things that the kids can do also to contribute to this process, not only just you know the, the, the important research that you guys were talking about, um, but there are books out there, and I know that you can get them on Amazon. I think one of them is called The Ultimate Scholarship Book, and they come out with that every year. 
Um, and I know that the last time I looked at it with some young folks that I was helping, it has like 1.5 million, a million and a half different types of scholarships or grants that people can apply for that you just don't know about. And there was there's some crazy things in that book, depending on what your ethnicity is. They're broken down by state. So you can look up state-specific ones. But I remember just chuckling to myself because one of them was, if your family has ever boarded a horse for more than six months, write us a letter. Tell us what your plans are. I'm like, <laughs> what, what, how, how, if you've owned a boat, I mean, I don't know, you know, it's just weird things that, uh, individuals put out grants and they want to help young people, but they have specific things that, you know, I want somebody who has had this experience or been in this situation. I want to help that type of person get ahead. So I think that's something that young people can do is write these letters and kind of apply for these. I mean, it's free money. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, there's, I mean, look, there's, there's so much great information out there. And to your point, like kids, they're pretty savvy as far as when it comes to, uh, to, to even online. So you, mm-hmm. you're right. There's a lot of books, a lot of resources out there. I mean, even, and even a lot of that stuff has now made its way to online sites. So just a, a quick Google search for your area mm-hmm. and, and what might be available out there. And that speaks to, so there's going to be four different areas you're going to get aid from. There's going to be obviously the school we talked about, the government, the state is another place that you can actually look up and there's going to be a resource for each state. Exactly. that's actually going to talk a little bit about some of the aid that, uh, that, that you can receive at the state level. And then there's private organizations, which I think that you're probably referring to the mm-hmm. most. And this could be companies that have like grant money or there could be um, charitable organizations or just specific organizations that are geared towards maybe something like you just said that that's unique to you. Um, and, uh, and there's going to be so much information out there. So I, I think the takeaway really is to be active and don't assume that there, there aren't some of these you know, especially with, with the internet and accessibility we have like to this information, just doing searches and just, and just try to try to, you never know what you're going to stumble across, I guess is really, really what it comes down to. Exactly. Exactly. That's yeah. And there, there's so much that can be found and, and it just does take, you know, grab the shovel do some digging and that's what, it, that's what it's going to come down to. So, and I think that having those conversations, that's really why I think we wanted to incorporate this into our planning process is to, is not only to add a whole nother layer of education and resource that, that we offer our clients, but like to encourage, you know, these types of things where, you know, you find a $5,000 grant that maybe wasn't there. Mm-hmm. That's $5,000 you don't have to save, you know, and, and it's, it's just that simple. Yeah, absolutely. My experience is most high schools have a plan or, or a career center where you can go and talk to them and they'll have a list of a lot of local things. Uh, one of the ones around here is the Omaha World Herald gives thousands and thousands of dollars away in a grant that's, you know, you don't have to pay back, but it's for people that are going to be doing writing in college. Well, most people do writing. So there's a lot of different categories and you can look at, but they, they want people to kind of write some short stories, submit them, and then tell what they're going to be doing in their career. That's going to help them to be a better writer. And they'll give grants for that, you know? So that's, I mean, that's a local organization that, that maybe people just don't think about or know about until they ask those questions or do that digging. So, um, yeah, and I think every state and every little town, uh, there, there's a lot of people that want to help young folks get this education and not be in tremendous debt when they're out of college. So I agree. That's that's great. Yeah, uh, anything any- to avoid that, for sure. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All right, guys. Again, thank you for your time. This was fantastic. And thank you all for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast with Mark Boutis. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Mark comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. 
This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And if you've got friends or family, they're looking for college and they're getting to that, you know, their kids are getting to that age. This is definitely information they need to hear and they need to be reaching out to Mark's office. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Bowdoin Financial, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Bowdoin Financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment and financial planning.